The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we tell untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. Joining us is Benjamin Shapiro who is the CEO of I Hear Everything, which connects brands and content creators with their target audience. Benjamin is also the producer of this podcast. All right, Ben and I are back. And yesterday we talked about building a brand philosophy. Today, we're going to continue our conversation and discuss tearing down the Yeti brand. All right, we're going to get right into it. Here's my guest and conversation with my guy, my producer, Benjamin Shapiro, the founder and CEO of I Hear Everything. All right, we're back, man. What's up, Scott? How are you? It's doing super well. I, I feel like I'm like doing a podcast in front of dad. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of <laughs> fun. Uh, but, oh, uh, no. It, no, in a, in a good way. Like you've been coaching me up. And so, uh, yeah, let's keep it going. Episode two, I, I was going to try to get into Yeti yesterday. I think it's fascinating, but I think it warranted a, a second podcast. Is this where you take it over from me now? No, I think that this is still your podcast. I stole it for yesterday, but you know, I think the idea that we had for these episodes is every once in a while, we want to tear down a brand that's doing something interesting. So you mentioned Yeti as your sort of like first new brand that came to mind. I guess, why is Yeti so interesting to you? Well, two things. Number one, Yeti's extremely interesting because they've figured out insights to consumers that are in all different categories. Political culture right now is pretty heavy. You know, you got Republicans and and independents and Democrats. And yet he's found a way to somehow appeal to everybody, but still be true to who they are. So you could find people that love Yeti that are very like maybe liberal Democrats and also super conservative Republicans. Like you don't see that very often where you have cowboys, maybe very conservative voting leaning in the Midwest that like love Yeti. And then you could have people in San Francisco, Subarus and and Birkenstocks that when you're looking at them, maybe vote a little more liberal or Democrat and they both love Yeti. And I just think that's fascinating. And sorry, I'm a marketer. So sometimes we stereotype more than we should, but I'm just looking at, at behaviors. And Yeti somehow found a way to nail that. I feel like the way to describe what you're talking about is by insulting everyone all at once. They got the rednecks and the hippie uppie liberals. Kind of. Yeah. I don't know a better way to to say that. But yeah, there's just so many brands that typically tend to kind of stay in their home kind of area or are super vanilla. So there's nothing. So how Yeti has, first of all, you have to make a good product and they make great products. But just in terms of how they create content, 
how they know who they are, how they're so confident in who they are, how they have fun. They've nailed brand personality. They've nailed some human insights that are really fun. And it allows them to play in kind of a a space that no one's figured out, which I think is just fascinating. Uh, So that's the first thing they've done really well is figured out mass appeal, mass loyalty in a number of different demographics, which typically you don't see. You don't see Ford and Honda having really similar demographics of consumers. And they do. I'll be honest. I don't understand the Yeti brand. And maybe it's because I'm independent and don't have a political affiliation. So it kind of gets both sides of the aisle and I'm in the middle. Here's the things that I'm, I'm looking at their website right now. And I'm like, okay, Yeti makes stuff that is universally useful, like coolers and cups and clothing. And But sure, they've got great products. They made a coffee mug that's made of metal. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, they're not the only people that make metal coffee mugs. So like this brand to me is maybe there's some function and some form and some those type of factors that are coming into play here. That That's the reason why people like them. But it's all the brand. Like this is a commodity product. We're literally talking about a coffee mug. I'm looking at one, a 16 ounce stackable pint glass. Do you know how much it costs? A lot. <laughs> 30 bucks. Yeah. It's a $30 pint glass. Yeah. And, and I have so many friends in the promo industry, right? Like I can make these coolers and mugs heavy duty, probably very similarly. But people that love the outdoors, they love that brand, right? It doesn't matter who you are or what political affiliation. You love the outdoors and you're fun. Like you have to have a Yeti. So why? Why, 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 why? Why is Yeti so attractive to everyone to the point where they can sell a metal cup for 30 bucks. A couple of things. Certainly their product trust, right? People don't believe anything. I always say that Edelman puts out this trust barometer and we're an all-time high. 80-something percent of people don't trust anything. When you buy a Yeti, you can trust it. And studies have shown people really trust that brand. The second thing that they've done that I think is really interesting that people miss a lot They really own retail distribution. I always tell people that, look, it's great if you have a D2C brand and you're doing well D2C and you've figured out the algorithms and your return on ad spend is great and you figured out ROAS and blah, blah, and influencer strategy and okay, and you're doing really well and your margins are great because you're a D2C brand and life, life is good. But people really win when they control retail distribution. So Under Armour started this and it was really unique. They, they went to like a Dick's Sporting Goods and they say, you know what, Dick's, we're going to rent the entire section of the store here in all your stores. And we're going we're gonna to sign a 10-year contract with you for retail distribution. Like we're going to own this space and you're not going to have to worry about selling our products or not. Like you're going to get a guaranteed rent check from us. Well, Yeti took a piece of that playbook and did the same thing. Now everybody is doing more of this. Whereas as retail brands, you're almost like renting little mini mall space in your demographic store. Uh, Yeti did the same thing. So if you go to most outdoor stores, Yeti has really blocked and has fixed distribution in all these stores. And so they own retail distribution. And as great as D2C is and as trendy as as it is, people still want to see things, hold things, test things. And, and then you can build e-commerce later. And once you control retail distribution, and distribution is everything. Distribution of contents, everything. Distribution of sales is everything. And, and a lot of times people think they're going to build a brand without distribution. 
it's really hard. And Yeti pretty early on at a pretty early stage of their company understood this and made a big bet on retail distribution. And that also paid off because people don't want to buy something that doesn't work and get it mailed to their house and be stuck with it. I'm going to podcast dad you for a second. Pop quiz. Do you remember the four P's of marketing? Price, product, placement, promotion. Look at you. Yeah. You said you weren't good at school in the last episode. You get an A. Yeah. Right? Like when what you're talking about is they nailed place. Yes. Right? They figured out a way uh, yeah. to basically cut their mar or create margins by renting out space within retail stores that get foot traffic. Now, you mentioned they were at Dick's Sporting Goods and they basically said, we're going to rent out part of the store. Why is Dick's doing that? And why did it work out for both brands? Well, anybody in the retail uh, world, and I have a lot of friends in retail and I have a lot of experience in retail because I've done a lot of beverage stuff, Pepsi and startup energy drink brands and et cetera. And retailers' margins, as most of us know, suck. They're really small, you know, what, half a percent. And sometimes it can be really unpredictable. And having guaranteed rent from brands that are good products, so you, you want the best products in your store... But now you can have the best products in your store and also a lot of predictability. I mean, all business people want predictability. So Under Armour really surprised people when they did this. Again, now more people are doing this. This And then shelving space existed a lot in CPG world. But in this kind of outdoor section, it was a little newer. So yeah, if you're a retailer and you get a great product that you probably would have carried anyway in a more predictable nature with more revenue, that's a good thing. So it was a good trade-off for both sides. All right. So... The Yeti brand figured out how to put their product in a place where people were going to be interested in buy it. And they may be able to create some margins for it. They're yep. able to attract their customers. Why is it that I, living in the suburbs of San Francisco, not necessarily an outdoorsman? I don't even own a tent. But I know the Yeti brand. Yeah, I know that they sell coolers. I know that they make coffee mugs. Like, How did they get to me without me being what I think is part of their target market. Yeah. There's a saying in the beverage industry when I really early on in my career did a lot of beverage marketing, anything from beer to energy drinks to soda. And the strategy for newer beverage products, the key is a strategy and it's, it's Monster Energy made it famous and it's called Cans and Hands. If you were a startup beverage company, and this is what Monster did because they were going to have a hard time going up against Red Bull with their distribution and other bigger brands like Coke and Pepsi that had some form of energy drink in their portfolio. And they just basically took trucks with promo models and they went to every event possible in the United States and they just started handing out product. And you call it cans in hands. So Yeti was able to also develop kind of a, a coolers in hands strategy by just being in retail and being one of the only cooler brands in that segment that was really in retail. So you started seeing people that had it everywhere. And if you went camping, people would whip out their Yeti cooler. And you're like, oh, what is that? That's pretty cool. That's different than a normal cooler. So I think it's a little bit of a form of cans and hands. And, and maybe their margin on the retail business, and I don't know, I'm not looking at their p and I'll bet it sucked. I'll bet it wasn't what it could have been from a margin standpoint. But you're building the brand through people and people using it and other people watching people use it. I mean, the best form of marketing is word of mouth, hands down. And you get word of mouth by people having it. And you get people having it by being in stores where people are at. 
And again, to the the four P's argument, I mean, I think place is really undervalued, especially in today's marketplace, because everybody looks at a PL and they want higher margins for you know e-commerce, which which of course you do. But man, I just want more people having it and interacting with because they post about it on social. And it's just such a multiplication effect. So talk to me about the Yeti brand. I see it's dark blue or black logo. It's kind of a blocky font. There's nothing that's super sophisticated about it. Their product doesn't look that differentiated from other types of brands. Is it their content? Like what makes this brand stand out from, I don't know, what's the other cooler brand? We've got a red cooler with a white top. I don't know what brand it is. Igloo or something. Yeah, I don't don't know either. Maybe Igloo. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they know their segment, right? Like there's different segments. You can be at the value side of the segment or you can be at the premium side of a segment. They're mid to premium. So I think they understand their segment very well. And most of the other players are more in the value segment. And to my point earlier in the last podcast, I don't think they overreach. They don't say we're putting shoes on people in third world countries like a Tom's. Like They just say we make great products. We have a lot of fun. We own outdoors. And I think the simplicity to the brand is what is successful. If you look at the logo, it's very readable. It's simplistic. And then they have fun. They have a lot of brand personality and kind of own fun. I mean, when you're in the outdoors or you're grabbing a drink in a cooler, you you want to have fun. So they just, I don't think they over, sometimes don't overthink it. I think that's what they did, which is why they can play in so many segments and so many demographics is they don't take themselves too seriously, which is great. Yeah, you know, we talked about the four P's. And the interesting thing to me is there is nothing that is super diversified from what Yeti is doing to other brands. The product is nice. It's great. I'm guessing that there are probably more sophisticated coolers with badges and technologies and God knows what cooler people need. Their price, a little premium, but not a $10,000 cooler, right? It was a $30 mug, not a $300 mug. Their content, they are adventure They understand their customers. I don't think that there's anything that they're doing that other brands... It's, it's this consistency across every single thing they do and that fit to me that makes it unique. And part of it is your brand just starts to snowball after a little while. If the cool kids are using Yeti coolers, then other people want Yeti coolers. It's kind of the, the, you know, the old like, you know, I want to sit at the cool table back in high school and have my lunch. I feel like that's a little bit of what's going on with the Yeti brand and why both of us are attracted to it. And I don't even have, or I guess we have a couple of mugs that were corporate gifts, but that's my experience with Yeti. Yeah. I mean, no question. You know, once you get that coolness factor, you do see multiplication effect, word of mouth effect. They almost took a page from what I would call more the Japanese branding model where everything is branded the same. The U.S. model is like the, I call the General Motors model, where they have a bunch of sub-brands, right? Like General Motors has Vortec engines, they have Ford, they have Chevy, they have Chrysler, I mean, right? They have all these sub-brands, which is more the American model, and all brands require support, right? So the more sub-brands you have, the more support for each of those sub-brands you have. Japanese model is everything's branded the same, like Yamaha. Right. Like you can have a Yamaha guitar, Yamaha motorcycle, Yamaha snowmobile. It's all Yamaha. There's no different. And so it it does require a little less support because it's all going to the master brand, every product. So, you know, there are drawbacks to both, 
And but I do have this kind of branding conversation with people. Yeah, Yeti is an interesting topic to me, and I, I it's one of those like I know the Yeti brand, I love the Yeti brand, I don't know any of the products, and I don't know why I like it. I think it makes for a great podcast topic. Yeah. So uh, outro on on branding again, just don't overthink things. And some other podcasts, I think a great insight right now is make calculated big bets. Yeti made a calculated, very large bet with with retail. I think a lot of times in marketing, we're, we're trying to do too many things and we need to stop and simplify and do less things really well. And what is that one thing that we would bet the farm on when you have the cards in a poker match in your hand, play it and bet big. And I think that's what Yeti did in, in this example as we're talking about. And I would really challenge other marketers, even myself, like where is that big bet? We heard it from Kings, you know, our Kings Hawaiian CMO and a few podcasts before. And uh, so that's kind of what I want to leave the, the outro to is where's your differentiating even marketing tactic that you're going to bet big on and have the confidence and the data to support that decision. And I think big things are going to happen. All right. That wraps up this episode of the Rebrand Podcast. Big thanks to Benjamin Sapiro, CEO of I Hear Everything and producer of this podcast for the show. Thanks for joining us. In part three of this episode that we'll publish tomorrow, Ben and I are going to discuss building the I Hear Everything brand, which is part of this podcast, like I said. So stay tuned for that. If you'd like to hear more about Benjamin, you'll find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, of course. You can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is BenJShap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P or visit his company website at IHearEverything.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to therebrandpod.com where we have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our newsletter. Or if you want to talk about your most successful marketing campaign, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Rebrand Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at rebrandpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly where my Twitter handle is sharkyaz. Or you can find me on Instagram at Scott Harkey. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want daily stream of marketing campaign brilliance in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button on your podcast app and we'll be right back in your feed the next business day. Okay, that's it for today. But till next time, remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand.